Hart, my name is Candy, and welcome to the students. Thank you so much. And I'm not thanking you because I'm pleased to see you because I'll tell you why. Because God kept me up at night. And he said, one of the topics I was to preach was to change. And I said, why is it changing? God said, change it. And then as I sat through uh, this, uh, our worship, I realized it's because of you. I haven't slept. Because God, God has a message for you. And one of my points, he said, change it for the students and address them directly. So I am going to be obedient. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. So um, the title of my, my topic is well, running a research series. And the title of my topic is seeing what God is doing. And if I asked a question, if I said, how many of us want to see God do great things in the world today? I'm sure 100% of us will say, oh yes. Yes, after, after COVID, yes please. Yes and amen. If that's the case, if that's the answer you had within you, then Look no further from yourself because it's our collective responsibility to show the world the loving kindness of God despite everything we have faced. We are called to do this. That is our responsibility. It's not Andy's, it's not Rob's, it's all of us. Our responsibility. And that's why I like the book of, I love the book of Nehemiah. Because what that book showed me is the impact one man can make in restoring God's people. One man. And we see that Nehemiah was someone who was born in exile. We see that Nehemiah was a man who was serving a foreign king. We see that Nehemiah was a man who was the king's cupbearer, a position which had, could have afforded him a very luxurious, a very affluent lifestyle. He lived in a posh neighborhood. He had it good. But yet, when news came that the walls of Jerusalem were still broken down, he was grieved. I think he was grieved because despite where he was, his location did not matter. He still, his heart, bid for the things of God. And so what this made him do, was well, he went into prayer for four months. And in the presence of God, he got the strategy to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And what we then see is that God also gives him favor and the king gives him all the materials he needed to build the wall. And if you have been following our series, for the students, I'll say, Nehemiah, you know when you want to commit wholly to God or do something for God, that's when the enemy rears its head. Nehemiah went through a lot of opposition. But despite this, something wonderful happens. So turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, 6, chapter 6, 15 to 16. And the words will come.
So the walls, the wall was completed on the 25th of Elam in 52 days. After centuries of walls being broken down, it was rebuilt in 52 days. And when the enemy heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their confidence because they realized, I love this, the work had been done with the help of the Lord. You know, with this accomplishment, Nehemiah set out to phase two. They needed to dedicate the wall. The dedication of the wall was also a restoration of God's people because they had come back from exile. They were all over the place. So he needed to restore them back to God because they had to be grateful. God had accomplished great things through Nehemiah. And we read, let's read Nehemiah 12, 27 to 30. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the levers were called out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians were brought together from the regions around Jerusalem, from the village of Nepo Tights, I hope I pronounced that right, from Beth Gilgal and from the area of Geba and Mevath. For the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. And when the priests and the levers were, had purified themselves ceremoniously, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. And here is the message for you. Every single one of you, God has put in my heart, students from Holloway, and church, please listen, as God's changed this point. Every single one of you present here have been called by God. And you might say to me, I know that, but God wants me to say this to you. It's a calling that you must embody wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you are. Maybe when you guys are in college, oh, we are all Christian, but when you're in the world, he wants you to embody that. Because I sense God saying that every single one of you present here will be used mightily. But there's a sacrifice that needs to be made. And that, it starts with the change of your mentality. Knowing you're called, knowing that you're gifted, knowing that in every endeavor for God, he is backing you 110%, no matter what opposition comes. So as you guys are in your colleges, seek him diligently. Worship him. Take off everything that entangles you and walk worthy of your calling. Amen. That's your message. Back to church one. <laughs> so you see that the, the, the Levites were called 
they didn't have one thing that really pressed, that I, I observed in this scripture is, they just came. They were sought and they came. They were living in the rural areas and they came. Why? Because they knew their identity. They knew that the Levites were the priests. And when Moses dedicated them back, back many years, they knew their sole purpose was to serve, to work in the temple of God. That was their duty. They didn't have nine to five. Monday to Friday, they were, maybe Saturday, Sunday, they were in the temple working. They didn't work. And it was the duty of the rest of the, the, the tribes to feed them. They knew their identity. They walked in identity. So when, when, when God calls them, or Nehemiah calls them through, God calls them through Nehemiah, they just answer. In the same way, every single one of us are called. And it's just not knowing it. It's we must embody, we must live it. It's a lifestyle. We must live according to our calling. It's a mentality shift we must have. If we are to reset and build God's kingdom, it's a reality. We must set that our mentality. We live as God's called people. And I love how Ephesians 2 says this. He says this, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sometimes when we quote that scripture, we said, oh, I'm God's workmanship. No, you were created for good works. Not only that, you, we were created to walk in it. Because the world may never see what God is doing if we do not walk in it. It's all right to sing the great songs about how great God is. But it's our duty to show the world the great things God is doing. My second point. It is one thing also to know you're called. It's another thing to be available. In verse 28, we read, the musicians were brought together from the regions around Jerusalem, the villages of, I can never pronounce this, <laughs> never, all right, forget it, and Beth Gilga and the area of Gilba and Methel, for the musician had built villages from themselves around Jerusalem. What is he showing us here? They lived in rural areas. They did not live in Jerusalem. But when the call came, they shifted locations. Not only did they shift locations to be near, to be available for God's service, they built houses. So we are no longer going back to where we lived. This is now where we dwell. We are available to God. That was what they were saying. We are not going back. Forget about our houses. What a sacrifice they made. And when I was thinking about it, it's again a shifting mentality. I am called, but what am I called to? If I know what I'm called to, then I make myself available to God. Availability is also a lifestyle. Because if we are not available, our gifts die with us. 
because every single one of us is gifted to do what God has called us to do, right? And if you don't even know your gift, just know one thing. Make disciples of all nations. That is the mandate we were given. So we can see the sacrifice these people made. In our church today, there are so many ministries in need of our gifting. As you heard Michael say, the Christmas event is coming up. What are we calling for? We're calling for your gifting. We're calling for you to be available to God, to serve the community. That's what we are calling availability. Are we going to make our, ourselves available for this? There is storehouse. There's sponsoring a family. There is toy wrapping events. There is the youth. There is young vineyard. Are you going to be available for God? Or are your gifts going to die with you? Young people, you're here, and it's good that you're here because one of your greatest challenges will be distractions. It's going to be distractions, but God is saying, if our mentality is right, if we know that we know and know that we are called, availability will not be a problem because then we become men and women after the, after the heart of God. Third point. <laughs> we must be generous. Let's read Nehemiah 44. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contribution, fast fruit and tithes. For the fields around the town, they were to bring into the storehouse the portion required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. We must be generous. The sole purpose of the priesthood was to offer sacrifices, like I said already. They were not supposed to work. The 11 other tribes were to feed them. They were set apart for God's duty. So there was no need for a priest to worry about what are my kids going to eat this afternoon because he knew that his brethren, following God's law, would bring provisions for them. So they were completely focused. God wanted them completely focused. I 
as a church, we have often said to you in every service, and this, guys, it's for members of our church. This is not for you. However, if God touched your heart to be generous, be generous. As a church family, oh God, I've lost my notes. As a church family, we have often said to you in every service that everything that we do in this church is as a result of our collective generosity. Today, as you are coming to church, you walked into a very warm church. That's money, electricity. We pay electricity bill, we pay gas bills. We also have so passionate about compassion that, that we, we give so generously. And you have heard from what Michael said today in the month about our Christmas giveaway event, upcoming event. It costs money. Resources for our youth, coffee and donuts, cost money. <laughs> so I'm asking, as a church, I'm asking us to be generous. If you're a, a regular to our church, which I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you give, those who give on a regular basis. But if you don't, why don't you start today? You can set up a direct uh, standing order with your bank. All the informations are on this leaflet. You can pick some at the side of the auditorium. And it contains everything that you need about said, um, setting up a standing order. I don't think we have started, we, we don't set it, they have to instruct their bank, right? So this is a leaflet that you, you, you need for all the information to set up thing. And those online, a, a link might also pop up on, on the link for you to actually click and if you're not a regular giver to give. Also, as a regular giver, if, if, you, if it is also Time to also review your giving as well. If you want to review your giving and you feel you have capacity to give more, please do give more. And one thing I want to say to you is this. I want to invite every single person to our Christmas event because it is in this place you see our generosity at work. I have been to one of these events and one of these ladies, she was Muslim, she, was, um, she had four kids carrying all the toys that we had provided, and she was so overwhelmed, she started calling us angels. She said, you guys are angels. You see, she did not have the language. What she saw was God at work. She saw God at work. And I'm sure if you ask anyone who works in storehouse, they have so many stories of how our generosity has impacted our community. So that's why we ask, be generous. 
I'll close with this. The call on our life requires sacrifice. If we want to see God move mightily in our communities, in our families, among our friends, we must be willing to make the sacrifice. Because unless, until we do that, The world may never see how good our God is. Because God can only manifest his glory through us. Sometimes we are, we are the only Bible a person will read through our generosity or through our kindness or through our sacrifice or through our diligence. So I am inviting and asking every single one of us, as we reset, as we think about our calling, our availability, or how generous we can be, I am inviting everyone to think, to reset our thinking, and come, let us do the work of the kingdom effectively, because God is worthy to be praised among the people of the world. Amen. <laughs>